This is Secrets to Win Big, your roadmap to sustained growth. Brought to you by Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, top brand growth driver and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. Find him at zenmango.com. And now, here's your host, Arjun Sen. Welcome to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. Hi, this is Arjun. And it's a pleasure to have amazing conversations from leaders from all walks of life. Today, I'm fortunate to have a conversation with Brooke Foley, CEO of Jane Agency, a brand strategist, an agent of entry, creative, obsessed with clarity and alignment, and learning how to elevate equity everywhere she gets a chance to make an impact. And one of the things what I learned over the years is Brooke defines and exemplifies clarity. Clarity to me is beautifully said in Jane Agency's website in a world where we are all doing unrelenting spin, unrelenting spin. We are touching our nose instead of straightforwardly around the head and in a complicated, convoluted way. Brooke and her team has this amazing gift, which they get better at every year to help everybody see clear messages. So Brooke, with that, welcome to Secrets to Win Big and truly appreciate you taking time. And I'm looking forward to this amazing conversation. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. So Brooke, let's start with, again, an amazing journey. Let's talk about some of the well-deserved successes that you have had. What are some of the biggest wins that you want to talk about that you know you want to share with us? Well, I think first having the the ability to go off on my own was a big win. And that was something that I had to learn through the executive ranks. Um, it wasn't something that was clear for me and it wasn't something that I was taught. But as I was going from one job to the next, I had a coach who actually talked to me about how most men set themselves up for success as they entered the job that they were taking so that as they exited, they would be able to do things that they had control and they had um, command over. And I didn't know from any of that. I was very busy my entire career being a creative director and I was really good at it and I loved it, but I knew at some point I was going to be stepping out. And one of the biggest wins in my life was having someone explain to me that there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that most of us don't understand, see, or know. And it was the first introduction I had gotten to equity. And equity was information, knowledge, process, and access. It wasn't the money. It was the understanding of how to create the situation that I wanted. And I didn't know anything about that prior. So that was a huge, huge win. Wow. So I love it how you mentioned it was not about money because money is the side effect of everything you do right. So in the journey to do right, Brooke, starting from nowhere, building your experience, you start from scratch, build an agency, and I worked with some of the amazing team members you have there. What has been your unique secret sauce that only Brooke 
brings to this world that has helped you win big over the years? The irony in my answer is in your question. The big secret is that it's not me. It's my desire to hear everyone else's ideas and listen to those. And I get excited about my own too, just as much as everyone else's. But I have never believed that I had the answer. Mm -hmm. And so um, people ask me all the time, they say like, where did the name Jane come from? And why didn't you name it the Brooke Foley Agency? And I said, always, I've, I've had the same reaction, which is, if I wanted to hear myself every day, then I would have named it the Brooke Foley company. Mm-hmm. But I wanted I wanted to be able to hire some amazing minds and in, in creativity. And so um, the 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 value of Jane comes from listening. And I believe teaching people how to listen has been one of our greatest strengths. And finding people who want to and value listening is what's important. And we've learned over time that there's a very specific personality type that makes sense inside of our business. And it's somebody who is willing to listen as much as they are willing to share, which is very different than hearing and talking. I love that. And, you know, my grandma always used to tell me, listen not to talk, but listen to listen. And as you're talking about it, I really am seeing that wisdom again connect. But you tease me a little bit about Jane Agency you have to share. How did you come up with the name Jane Agency? Well, when I left the agency life, the agency world, and went off on my own, which was in 2009, and it was not a great time or a smart time to start a business as a woman, period. Um, I, I had come from the creative world, and there were people that I'd worked with over time that had uh, that wanted to help. And I was getting a series of logos and names that were coming my way. And I, I had clients, but I didn't have a business yet set up and I needed a name in order to, um, uh, you know, incorporate. And I was learning all those processes. I I'd known them from afar, right. From watching businesses grow and, and come into the agency life, but I didn't ever have the ability to do that myself. And I didn't have a way of, of, declining the things that were coming my way. So I did what I do, which is I created a brief and I wanted something that was feminine, but not girly, modern with a hint of vintage and simple, but with a twist. I felt like all those things were the type of creative when I looked at the work that I loved most that I'd done over the years or the even the work that I envied of others and admired, um, that those were the qualities that really always got me. It was that simple with a twist. And I was I was feminine, but not girly. I was um, modern, but I also had a craftsmanship and a commitment to history and, and, and heritage and legacy that, that really drove my value inside of brand and DNA. And so I came up with that and um, my sister shared the name with me. It was her daughter was, had just been born and she was sharing the name with me and I loved it. And it was after, a, a, it was a heritage name inside of family. Wow. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing. Now, Brooke, in the consulting world with agencies, many a time when you look at the super big consulting companies or the agencies, they rightfully or wrongfully, I cannot judge, they apparently know what most clients need. But for a high impact agency, it's very important to get a clear vision, to understand what the client wants. 
So how do you keep your focus, even though you have seen it all, but in every case, what the client needs, what their vision is, and how do you avoid getting off focus? So we, nobody, and, and you know this because you went through this with us on a couple of different clients that we've worked with together. Mm -hmm. We don't work with anyone until we've gone through a brand strategy session with them. And it serves multiple benefits on both sides. We become an informed outsider, an integrated partner. Our clients go through a methodology that allows them to actually hear themselves and reconcile what they believe versus what they want versus what they know versus what they do. Um, and they get to see that within their teams as well. The, the team gets to determine and, 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 and opt in actually a second time. Most of our brand strategy sessions are watching the team re-engage, re-opt in, recommit to the job that they are being asked to take on on behalf of their, their uh, employer. And so once we have that brand strategy, we become the shepherds of it. And it's, mm -hmm. it acts like a tuning fork because we can say to our clients, so this is, this is what we heard. And directionally, if this isn't what you like, if this isn't the business that you want, here's the gap between the one you articulated you want versus the one that you actually technically have. Now, something that I've just started talking about in the last couple of years was that for a long time, I functioned as an expert testimonial witness behind the scenes for brands. And a lot of the reason I didn't talk about it was it was not a public-based situation. It was something where people came to me, they sought me out, I had to function, and it remained quiet and behind the scenes. But I loved it. And um, over the last few years, we started really, really talking about it. And what it did was it changed the way I saw brand. It changed my understanding of the technical command of the assets inside of a brand. And when you are able to teach that command to someone, and you're able to give them the ability to have discipline and uh, discern what it is that they're talking about, you're also giving them leverage inside of assets that they didn't even realize they had. So oftentimes people come to us and, and they're, they're talking about their promise, the promise is really the support, or they're talking about their positioning, but it's really actually part of their personality. And as we help sort those things out for people when we organize them and we put them into assets with definition, and they're able to command those inside of conversation, negotiation, pitch, even inside of hiring or retention or saying, look, this person doesn't belong. All of a sudden, it gives them a control over their business where they can protect their finances. They can protect their, um, their culture, their market share. It changes your sense of vulnerability as a business owner and as, as contributors or at the leadership level and then even as employees. And so over time, we have really learned to respect that tuning fork. And if a client isn't really interested in that tuning fork, um, it's, it becomes very clear that we might not be the right fit for them. Not because we're arrogant or we're difficult, but because that is how we retain focus. And we hold ourselves accountable and we hold the client accountable. And it, some of our clients, we've been doing that for you know six, seven years for now. I love that. You know connection where you at the beginning talked about how everything starts with listening to listen and then the strategy session but at the end you taking responsibility with the client to decide if you guys are the best fit because not every client needs what you have to offer and and that whole connection and living that is i think really powerful wisdom for all of us you know you talked about the team and as you're building a team, 
especially you know for you and i both own small companies we know like any person we hire is like 10% 20% of the company right there mm-hmm. so how do you one choose seek future leaders and how do you get them aligned to the vision of jane agency and the team i love that question i saw it ahead i loved it um I think this is one of the secrets to winning big. And I didn't have it at first. I was always known as a really strong, powerful team builder. It didn't mean that you liked me and it didn't mean that you loved me, but you were going to have a good career if you were on my team. And I was able to create momentum, outcomes. I've always been, you know, action oriented. We were going to win the pitch. We were going to make the deadline. We were going to, you know, hit the numbers. I was always geared as a results driven creative director. When I started Jane, I don't know that I was as um, discerning, which I think is why it became very important to me. And clients came to us without me understanding how to screen for that. Mm-hmm. And right around the time you and I had uh, completed a project together, I started to realize that some of the clients that had come into the agency after that didn't look like the clients around the time that we were working together. We had fortunately or unfortunately won some big pieces of business. And so we'd hired people to fill the roles and that didn't feel so great over time. And all of a sudden my company didn't feel like my company. I didn't recognize the values that we were operating on. I didn't understand the things that we were doing. And I was spending my time doing things that I hated. I just did not enjoy it all. And so one of the secrets I found was that I don't need permission not to want to work with a client or not to want to work with a person. I don't have to defend it or excuse it. Mm-hmm. I just have to make it happen. And that was my biggest win. It was the most painful, scary time in my career. I've talked about it previously, openly on a couple of podcasts too. I think it's one of the most empowering things that ever happened to me it was humbling, but I went out to tuck. Dartmouth and I got a um, education on uh, an executive MBA and I came back and I said, look, we're not operating on my values. We're operating on everyone else's. Mm -hmm. And I gave the team permission to fire anyone that didn't exemplify the values. And in a matter of weeks, we went from being a 30 person company to a 13 person company. And, you know, as I'm listening to you, the big thing that hits me is for a company or for a brand, from us, when you become a company, in that journey, you have to be careful what you lose. Because at the same time, you know, for always, we have to be a team together where we are always us, whether you want to call it a tribe or anything. But the moment you try to get the corporate and start putting pieces to the puzzle without connecting, as you said, And I really love the way you empowered yourself, but also you empowered everybody in the team to maintain the values and keep the right people. I want to extend that to leaders that you have worked with. And you know, you have worked with a lot of leaders. I'm not pushing you to choose your favorite leader, just choose one of your favorite leaders, best leaders. And more importantly, I want to know one lesson you learned from that person, what makes that person the best? one of the best? So some of the best leaders that I've worked with are coming from the most unexpected places. Um, Somebody that I'm going to call out actually works at Jane. 
and he started as an intern and his name is Brad Pierce. You know him. Uh, when I think you were working with him, he was just starting to come up through the ranks as an account director. And he now runs Jane and he, he does it very, very well. And I fired myself from many, many, many things that he's far better at. And he does those things quite well. Um, but I, I believe that he is one of the best leaders that I've worked with. And I've had the honor of guiding him, but also, you know, being the, ben the beneficiary of working with him. His commitment to what is in the best interest of the good of the whole is phenomenal. Um, another person that I feel has just been a fantastic leader over time, uh, we worked together with, was Scott Zuckerman. And his desire to hear from the team and listen to the team and make alternative choices and try things and explore was some of the most entrepreneurial in spirit that I've ever met. And he continues to be an entrepreneur on fire. I mean, he really does. And, um, you know, I watch him from afar now. And I remember the times when we were all working together. And it was, it was fantastic to watch how excited he got about the data and people's reactions and to see what the team thought. And, you know, Arjun, what's your counsel? What do you think? Brooke, what are you going to do with that? What's the team going to respond with? It was really powerful to watch. It was like, it was like he had all the teams spinning together. And I thought that was fantastic. Um, there's a third leader that I worked with who was just power. Uh, she was the head of uh, communications at Cook County Health and Hospital Systems. And just out of sheer will, she forced things to come together for the Cook County Health and Hospital Systems. Her name is Melissa Coleus. And watching her work and think about things and plan and just prepare people so I think for Brad, it's it, the leadership set in the space of for the good of the whole. For Scott, it was the, the immense capacity to integrate. And with Marissa, it was um, just the, like the sheer, sheer will, like the, the desire to make sure that what said was going to get done, got done, and that nothing was left unturned. So I thought those were three really powerful influences over time. And, you know, thank you for sharing. And of course, fortunate, I'm fortunate to know two of them. And as you mentioned, you know, of course, these are amazingly competent people. They're brilliant in what they do. But the thing that really hits home is both of these individuals who I fortunately get to know, and nothing against Marissa because I'm not yet have got a chance to know her yet. But with Brad and Scott, they are solidly amazing human beings who are mm -hmm. always consistently there with great values. They're brilliant in what they do and they make decisions, but how inclusive they're like, I feel good when I have a meeting with Brad and Scott because of the acknowledgement I get and what we accomplish together. And I truly appreciate you talking about both of them. It just brings some amazing memories. They're unshakable. Yeah, totally. Because you and I are people who shake people, right? We rattle and roll people for yeah. a living. Yeah. And those two, in their own way, unflappable. Absolutely. So now this one is for you. I really want to get personal in the few next few questions. And I call this next section, your biggest BS. What is your biggest BS where I define BS as bragging shamelessly? Among your close friends and fans, what is the one thing you want to brag about Brooke Foley? I can dice food like no one's business. Wow, that's amazing. I'm an I'm a badass cook. 
Okay. So we are looking forward to Clint and myself will be in Chicago and we are going to taste the amazing food soon. I have to tell you a little bit about this really quick though. Please, please. When I was in my early twenties, I was really stressed out from work and I was reading a book. It was like a a novel, a, like a Harlequin novel or something like that. I think Fabio was even on the front cover of it or something. But in it, one of the characters had said, well, everyone was coming for dinner unexpectedly and I had to look in the cabinet and just see what I had. And I had no, I, you know, I, I threw together this recipe. And after I read the book, I actually went and I tried the recipe that she talked about in the book. It was fabulous. It was literally just her having pulled together a bunch of ingredients. Next thing I did that I would say added to my culinary experience with all my travel and all the influences I had was I was sitting there one day with my kids, you know, literally 20 years later, 15 years later, and Ratatouille came on and we, we ended it, went to the store, got the ingredients, put it on again. And that's how I learned to make Ratatouille. Those two instances taught me a freedom of cooking and experimentation and detail that I, I did not get in any cooking class I've ever done. How funny is that? And also, I think this, even though it started as a goofy question, your answer really shows me that, I don't know, millions of us have watched the movie Ratatouille. Brooke Foley may be one of the very few people <laughs> not inspired by the movie, but the experience you took your kids through I really think that helps all of us realize that there's an inspiration behind every rock. And I really yeah. think this is a powerful lesson that you shared with me. Now, based on everything you've done, if there's only one lesson that you can take forward, and one means one, not two, what would be the one lesson from everything in your past that you want to take forward in your future journeys? Clarity is my everything. Well said. So now let me take you to a fun question. Visualize you get an evite, and that evite you look at, and there'll be three brooks at that event. 16-year-old brook, brook today, and 100-year-old brook. And you are to decide where this event will take place. So question one is very simple. Where will 16-year-old brook, 100-year-old brook, and brook today meet? And secondly, what would the conversation be like? What would one thing each one of them will say or ask? So we would meet at Les Majorans in Switzerland. Nice. Yes. Uh, one of my favorite places on earth. Uh, phenomenal energy, fantastic people, amazing, amazing just quality of air and life there. So we would all meet there. Um, what was the second part of the question? The second part is what would each one of us say or ask? The 16-year-old, 100-year-old, and you. So the 16-year-old would say, what's it going to be like? Tell me everything. What's it going to be like living in the future? Like, where is it? The present Brooke would be like, it's right now. We are here and we are present. It is about being in the moment. And hundred-year-old Brooke would be the same way, just even more so. I feel like as I've started to come into my fifties, that's right, I'm over fifty. 
as I have come into my 50s, I am more and more enchanted and just captured by the present in a way that I wasn't when I was younger. I am fascinated by the what it is. And maybe that's where I connected with the expert testimonial witness component of things, because mm-hmm. it's still very much about what it is and what it's not. And then what does that mean? And the power of what it is and the freedom of what it's not. And the more and more I get into that and the more I explore it, the more I see it everywhere I turn and everywhere I go. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. And it's fascinating. And to me, I think the way you describe you today and 100-year-old Rook to be the same but stronger, I love that. So, Brooke, this has been a fascinating conversation. You know, as we wrap this conversation, bring it to an end, I just have two requests. One is, is there anything more about you that we haven't talked that you want listeners to know? And secondly, I've asked all these questions and you have been very kind to answer questions somewhere a little goofy or strange. Is there anything you want to ask me? So um, what would the 100-year-old Arjun be like? Uh, Before that, anything you want to share? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, there's a couple things. One was I didn't just follow the Ratatouille movie. I also went out and bought all the fish in the saltwater tank for Finding Nemo. And that was not a good idea. So I think everybody should know that. Okay, that was like the next weekend and it was not good. It was bad. They eat each other and they're really mean to each other. And Dory is the most evil of all those fishies. So just so you know that. Um, so I'm learning so that. that watching any movie with Brooke Foley has a post-movie experience oh. that will be memorable forever. <laughs> Shrek, not good. <laughs> what we did after that was not good either. <laughs> um I'm a huge Marvels fan, huge Marvel comics fan. Uh, I think there's such a humor and spirit in some of the things that they do. And I think that those, the, like that's that's probably, there's a um, there's an unexpected honesty in Ratatouille, in Finding Nemo, in Marvel comics that allows you to actually start to accept the reality mm-hmm. of what life really is um, and what it could be. And it allows you to dream and to start to put things into action. Um, so I think that's that's what I would have shared. Love that. So about 100-year-old Arjun, I think in that meeting, the 16 and maybe Arjun today will pressure by saying, hey, what happens in future? I'm just going to tell them by saying, guys, don't worry about it. Because first of all, I'm there to root for you. I believe in every challenge, you'll find your way. Not knowing what's coming, I think is fun. And that's where the adventure is. Because think, Brooke, visualize you and I grew up together. We are six-year-old best friends. We are sitting in the back seat of a car. Our parents are taking us to the zoo. Our conversation would be, what would the monkey do today? When we throw the banana, will the monkey feel it, eat it, right side? Like that kind of a curiosity, I think we lose in life 
And mm -hmm. I really, as the hundred year old would tell, I think guys, as you mentioned about being in the present, I think that is so important, be in the present, but more importantly, believe in you. I want to ask the 16 year old and today Arjun is 58 years old, I said that, is when was the last time you intentionally made a mistake? You always do the best you can. There's this amazing uh, Nicholas quote where he was asked, what do you think about the parts you missed? Nicholas looked at and said, I never missed a part. And later on, he explained by saying, every time I did the best, I followed my process. The ball didn't go in too bad for the ball. And I think that's what I would try to instill in the kiddos by saying, guys, don't worry. You got it. And I think yeah. that is very important in life. And I'm also getting that reinforcement, that calm confidence in you that not only Brooke Foley School, she's going places. And I'm truly fortunate to know you and have you as a friend and also for you to spend time with me here in this conversation. Thank you again, Brooke. Truly well, thank you so much for having me. I, I love talking to you. And you can keep asking me questions even when we're not on a podcast. <laughs> Your questions are amazing. Thank you. You've been listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, top brand growth driver and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. To learn more, visit www.zenmango.com. Share this podcast with your friends and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.